Our reading this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, and found on page 1026 in the Church Bibles. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich empty, away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good, well, please keep the passage open in front of you, page 1026. Uh, we're having a break from our series in Exodus. The Israelites have left Egypt, they've crossed the Red Sea, and we leave them there, having sung their song, and we... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're having a break. I thought this week we would look at Mary's song, or the Magnificat, as, uh, as it is often known. Uh, a Christmassy passage, uh, something for us to focus on, particularly after carol service last Sunday, Christmas Day next week. I thought, let's have something Christmassy this week. So let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage, this song that Mary sang, and we pray that through it you would teach us Help us to be in awe of what you did for Mary. And would you help us to join with her in glorifying you. Amen. If you want to follow them, on the back of the notice sheet there are a couple, few headings there so that you can follow your way through uh, the sermon. You can make notes there if you want to as well. According to the United Nations, the population of the world hit 8 billion on the 15th of November this year. When we think about that number, it's possible that you might wonder, how could the Lord possibly pay any attention to you? Little you. You're not even one in a million. You're one in 8 billion. Does he notice us? Does he care? Well, we turn to Mary's song, Song of Praise, a song in which she expresses her amazement that God would pay attention to her, that God would notice her. The context of this song is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is visiting her cousin Elizabeth, and both are miraculously pregnant. Elizabeth, because she and her husband were unable to have children, 
And it says in chapter 1, verse 7, maybe slightly indelicately, that she is very old. But an angel appeared to her husband, to Zechariah, to tell him that Elizabeth would have a child. And she became pregnant. And Mary, in a very different way, miraculously pregnant, though a virgin, yet the angel announced to her that she was going to have a child, that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, she would become pregnant. And she was. And Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And when they're together, Mary says this song, which was read. A song of overflowing delight in the Lord. Of course, some place huge emphasis on Mary, don't they? But the way she begins our song, this song, is very instructive for us. See how she begins. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. Her word glorifies could be magnifies, makes big. She says, I, I want to make the Lord big. And so if we're going to go with her train of thinking, if we're going to see what she wants, it is not that she would be magnified, but that the Lord would be magnified. Why? Well, we're going to see one big point from this passage and two questions that we will then ask. So slightly different from normal. Uh, One big point, which I think is sort of the summary of the whole song, or at least it's a big theme in the song, and then we'll ask two questions and they're on your sheets. So the first big point, this big theme, is that the Lord lifts up the humble. The Lord lifts up the humble. Notice that. See that? I'm going to read again. Verses 46 to 49. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She praises God because he took her in her humble state. That is, that she was a nobody. She certainly had nothing particular to make her stand out from the crowd. She was not a person with position. She was not a person with power. She didn't live anywhere special. She says she wasn't different from all the other girls in Nazareth. Yet the Lord chose her. And she says, from now on all generations will call me blessed. And we do. It doesn't need to be a title for Mary, the blessed Virgin Mary. It doesn't need to be a title, but she was blessed. The Lord did wonderful things for her, that she would be the mother of God's son. And she conveys here, doesn't she, this absolute amazement that God would do this for her. It's like the stunned excitement of, uh, of someone on TV uh, 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 winning a TV talent show or someone winning the lottery. People going from obscurity to, to suddenly being millionaires or suddenly winning something or suddenly becoming famous. It's the kind of breathless, me? You took me? I wonder if you know something of that feeling. 
maybe not quite in that extreme way, but maybe you know something of it. One of our children, I won't say which one, you can ask them later, um, in primary school, uh, one in their class, the Easter egg raffle. They won a big Easter egg. And they were amazed. We were amazed as well, because we hadn't bought any raffle tickets. <laughs> that incredible, me? Really? Really? Well, Mary has that, although on a bigger scale, doesn't she? You took me? And yet she reflects on this and she sees, actually, this isn't just what the Lord has done for me, but this is what the Lord does. This is the kind of God he is. He's not just done it for Mary. This is his character, that he lifts up the humble. So she says in verse 50, she broadens it out, doesn't she? His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. She says this is his character. And actually there is a particular instance in the Old Testament that it seems like she's got on her mind. At the start of the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, there is a priest whose name is Elkanah, whose wife, Hannah, could not have children. But she prayed to the Lord, and the Lord opened up her womb so that she could have a child, a son. And she too praised God in song. And the theme of her song is incredibly similar to that of Mary's here. She says, Hannah says... The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and makes them inherit a throne of honour. Hannah, back in the Old Testament, was saying he, he lifts up the humble. He pays attention to people the world would not. And one commentator suggests that Mary, on her way to Elizabeth, to visit Elizabeth, maybe on the journey, was thinking about, maybe reading, maybe dwelling on Hannah's situation and thinking how similar it was to Elizabeth and even to herself. And then when she meets with Elizabeth, there is this joy of coming together and, and this song erupts from her, which is very like Hannah's prayer. You see, she's saying, I know this happened to Hannah. And it happens elsewhere in the Old Testament, doesn't it? You can think of other examples of God lifting up the humble. Another one would be King David, who was a shepherd that God took from the hillside to be king of Israel. And at one point, David says this, Who am I, Lord, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you've brought me this far? Do you see Hannah and David and Mary all going, Lord, really? Me? And Mary, reflecting on this, says, yes, that's what he does. He lifts up the humble. He takes nobodies and makes them somebody. So, our big point, the Lord lifts up the humble. And we've got two questions we're going to ask the first now. Who are the humble who are the humble that the Lord lifts up? After all, if you look at verses 52 and 53, you might draw a conclusion, and it might be right, but it might be wrong. Have a look at those verses, verse 52 and 53. So we just jump down a little bit, where it says, He brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Now, from those verses, who would you think the humble are? Who are the people that God lifts up? Is that saying everyone who is a ruler or who is rich will be brought down? And everyone who is hungry, that is materially poor, will be lifted up? Are the humble just those who who are poor, don't have much money? Now, if that's the case, that raises questions, doesn't it? This seems to be a means-tested humble being lifted up. How much income do you need? How low does it need to go before the Lord then lifts you up? Is that what it's saying? Well, we need to keep in mind verses 50 and 51. We missed those verses out. We need to go back to them because quite rightly, one of the commentators says actually they guide us. They provide the the sort of heading for, for what then follows. They, they show us what is, what is meant. So verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. So who does the Lord show mercy to? It is to those who fear him. Now, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It isn't to be terrified of God. It is surely what Mary has just shown in the previous verses. It is to see your humble state before God and to see his might. She's mentioned that, his might, that he is the Holy One. You see, to be fearful of God, to fear God, is to see yourself and to see God as you truly are. To see his greatness, his holiness, his might, and to see your lowliness. It is to have the right view of that. It's helpful to see the opposite, which is, as we've seen, pride. He scatters those who are proud. Who are the proud? The proud are those who say, well, I don't see God like that. I think much of myself. Rather than thinking much of God, they think much of themselves. And they don't think they need God because... They're okay on their own. They don't see the greatness of God. They don't see his majesty. And they won't depend on them. So the humble are those who fear the Lord. Those are the ones he lifts up. So then you might well ask, well, so why does he then go on to the bit about bringing down rulers and feeding the hungry and lifting up the... What's that got to do with those who are in positions of power and those who don't have much money. What's that doing there? One commentator, a guy called Daryl Bock, in his commentary, says we can make two mistakes in this passage. One is to say that it has nothing to say about money and material possessions. The other is to say it's all about money and material possessions. So... Why, having just said that the Lord lifts up, the Lord shows mercy to those who fear him, why does he then talk about those in positions of power, rulers, those with money, and those without money, those who are hungry? Well, the answer is that those who are powerful or have money are far more likely to be proud. If, you have, if you're someone in the world's eyes, And if you're successful, it's very hard to be humble before God. 
to fear him. Whereas those who have nothing, those who are nobodies, the materially poor, will find it much easier to come to God in humility. The physically poor find it much easier to admit their need of God. So the humble, who are they? They are those who fear God, whether rich or poor or somewhere in between. And we need to realise that power and position and possessions can all hinder us from humbling ourselves. And we need to humble ourselves before God, to fear him. And we won't really know the joy of Christmas until we do fear the Lord. So, that's our first question. Who are the humble? It is those who fear the Lord. Do you fear him? Second question. How high does he lift them? The Lord lifts up the humble, but how high? Well, Mary ends her song in a direction that we may find initially, well, hard to relate to. But actually, it's totally relevant for us. Now, to understand how high God lifts up the humble, we need to follow a pathway of God's promises that Mary speaks about at the end of the psalm. But it is a pathway that initially you think leads to a cul-de-sac, leads you nowhere. Just have a look, verse 54 and 55. It says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, it seems initially like we go down a bit of a cul-de-sac here. Because it seems like Mary ends the psalm just purely nationalistically. You know, she's talking about Israel. She's talking about Abraham and his descendants. And we struggle to relate to that because most here are not going to be descended from Abraham. We're not Israelites. So we think, well, she's just ended on a Israel theme. And that's hard to relate to. But there is a connection here... There is a pathway of God's promise that I want to take you down to show you that this isn't a cul-de-sac that you just get sort of stuck in. But you need to see that actually we, we have a slightly unfortunate translation. Verse 55, as you can see in the passage says, uh, well it says, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Now there is a word there which is just slightly unfortunately translated. It is the word descendants. More literally it should be seed. So it should be to Abraham and his seed. Now you might think oh still feels like we're in a cul-de-sac here. It's important to know the word seed there is in the singular not the plural. Still feels like a cul-de-sac. Okay. Paul in Galatians says this. I think we've got the... Have we got it on the screen? Does it come up on the next slide? Did I update it? Ah, I didn't update it, did I? Sorry. I was going to put it on the screen. Realise I didn't, didn't put it on the PowerPoint. I will read it to you. Paul in Galatians chapter 3 verse 16 means you're going to have to focus a little bit more carefully because it's not on the screen. Paul says this. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person, 
who is Christ. Paul is saying this is very significant. The fact that in the Old Testament, and Mary picks up on this, that it says the promises are to Abraham and his seed. That is, Mary was quoting a bit here from the Old Testament, which is focusing you not just on all of Abraham's descendants. The promises are not focused on just all of his biological descendants, but on a person. Here is the pathway of the promise. Mary is saying it's Old Testament goes from Abraham to Abraham's seed, who is Jesus. He is the focus of the promises. Now, this is a pathway. We're only partway through the pathway, but we get to Jesus. Now, just pause on Jesus for a moment. We've said God lifts up the humble. Here is the ultimate humble person, Jesus. He was the one who was, in a sense, shown mercy in that he was lifted up. He was humble and lifted high. Because he descended from the throne of glory to be born on earth. He could have come in glory and majesty, but came in poverty. And more than that, humbled himself to death, as it says in Philippians, and became obedient even to death on the cross. And he did it all out of humility before God, out of fear of the Lord. Descended, died on the cross, and so the Lord raised him up. And as it says in Philippians, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. How high does God lift up the humble, the humble one, Jesus, to the throne of glory, the highest of heights? Here is the ultimate example of the humble lifted up. But the pathway of the promise doesn't finish there. Mary, at the end of her song, talks about going to Abraham and his seed, Jesus. But the pathway of the promise doesn't finish there. The amazing thing about this promise is that it comes to you and me. Because the promise made to Abraham, he was told, meant that all nations would be blessed through him. Not just his physical, biological descendants, but all all nations, including you and me, we can be recipients of the promise if we humble ourselves before Jesus, if we come to him, the seed, if we put our faith in him, we receive the promise as well. And the incredible thing is, if you and I humble ourselves before God, Come before him with nothing. It says in Ephesians 2, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Here is the fulfillment of the promise. Here is the pathway of the promise that God promised to Abraham and to his seed, that is Jesus. But that then comes to us. If we will humble ourselves before Jesus, we are lifted up to sit with him in the heavenly realms. Him in the position of greatest honour, and we get to sit with him. Not because of anything good about us, but purely through him and through faith in him. And therefore, 
I want to suggest to you, if you follow that pathway of the promise, Abraham, to the seed, Jesus, to us, if we will humble ourselves before God, humble ourselves before Jesus, we lift it up. At this point, you should be feeling, me? Me? Lift it up? Who am I that God would do this for me? The answer, wonderfully, is you're no one. You're a nobody. I'm a nobody. But God lifts up nobodies and through faith in Jesus makes them somebodies. And therefore, I think, you and I can sing Mary's song. There is actually nothing in there that you can't sing to if you're a Christian. This isn't just about her and what God did for her, amazing as it is. We can sing this song because we can say, God, you chose me if you're a Christian. And if you're not, you can humble yourself before Jesus and it can be you too that he lifts up. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your character, that you are a God who lifts up the humble. Thank you that any who will come before you and fear you can be humble before you and therefore you will lift us up to the heights of heaven in Christ Jesus. Father, for those who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus, haven't humbled themselves, please give them the joy of being humbled before you today. And for those who have, fill our hearts with the same joy that Mary had, that you, the mighty God, lift up the humble. Amen.